Tonight's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 10, uh, from verses 1 to 23, and I'll give you a moment to get your Bibles out. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius gave two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. At about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking, was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could, fear, he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. As we come to the God's word, we expect him to speak to us. Why don't we ask him to speak to us? Let's pray and believe God to speak to us tonight in ways that uh, challenges our life and grows our life. Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for your presence among us. You're a living saviour, Lord. We bow before you, we submit our mind, our heart, we open it to you, to listen to you, and to do what you say. Lord, fill us with your spirit afresh, to experience you, to encounter you through your word, to experience your love, your healing, your empowerment, your purpose for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's uh, talk is called The Message of Jesus is for Everyone. The Message of Jesus is for Everyone. And I want to mainly focus on this Gentile commander and his household, how they were saved, and how this event led to a revolution which changed the world. 
Now, this amazing commander named Cornelius is not from a movie like Gladiator, but he's from the Bible. A true story of a military commander who was, one, a powerful man. Number two, a religious man. And number three, a needy man. There are so many things I can speak about in this chapter, but I want to mainly focus on Cornelius and these three main points about him. So firstly, Cornelius was a powerful man. He was a Roman centurion who belonged to the greatest empire and the greatest army. He was a military commander who commanded troops. A person who became a commander became a commander because of his bravery, loyalty, character, and greatness in battle and in combat leadership. This Roman centurions, these Roman centurions were well paid, highly esteemed. They had wealth, they had power, they had prestige, which made them very influential in society. Now this is who Cornelius is. He had all these things. He was no weak man. He was not a poor man, but a powerful man. Strong physically, positionally, socially, with influence, wealth, and prestige. Now, some people think that faith or spirituality is for the weak, is for the poor. But Cornelius did not think so. Secondly, Cornelius was a very religious man. In this chapter we read, there is a long list that shows how religious he is. I want to give you seven quick points. Number one, he rejected his own gods. You see, he was a Roman, and the Romans believed in many gods, like Jupiter, Apollo, and especially Mars, the god of war. To not believe in Mars was thought to be treason and to bring bad luck in battle and cause defeat. But despite that, Cornelius went against the flow and he left all his Roman gods and chose to believe in the one true God of the Jews. Number two, he was a devout man. That means he had a deep religious commitment to God, not wishy-washy. Three, it says he feared God with all his household. In other words, he worshipped, he reverenced God sincerely, and he led his family to do the same. Number four, it says he gave alms to the poor, which means he had compassion and kindness towards others in need. Number five, it says he prayed to God daily. And as he was influenced by the Jews, he would have paid, prayed at least three times. Number six, he had a good reputation, it says, among all the people. He was well respected by the Jews for his prayer and charity. Wow, can you imagine a Roman centurion being praised by the Jews 
who hated the Romans and saw them as their enemies. An amazing testimony. And number seven, he was also praised by God, who sent him an angel, saying to him, Cornelius, your prayers and arms have ascended as a memorial before me. Wow, what a testimony of how God felt toward Cornelius. Amazing. And have an angel visit you? Now tell me, when was the last time you got an angel visit you? Not, not many. As you can see, this list shows that Cornelius was a very religious and an exceptional good man. Many of us would not be good as Cornelius in our practice of faith and good works. Some would say, many would say, that this guy is definitely down to heaven, that he's saved because of how religious he is, how much good works that he does. But you know what? That's not what God's word teaches. And that's not what God teaches in this passage either. You see, though Cornelius was an exceptional, righteous, religious, good man, yet God said he still needed something else to be saved. And this brings us to our third point. Thirdly, Cornelius was a needy man. Cornelius was a needy man. Friends, after going through his uh, CV, it seemed that Cornelius had it all, but he didn't. And God shows us here how he didn't have it all by clearly in this text that we're going to look at that the greatest need for Cornelius was the need to be saved from his sins. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 14, it tells us, we are told that Cornelius, what he needed. Speaking about Peter, the angel says to Cornelius, Cornelius, Peter is going to bring a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Cornelius wanted to be saved, wanted to know God. And he needed something. His works didn't do it. His religiosity didn't do it. But God saw his heart and he said, you know what, I'm going to send you someone who's going to share the good news that will help you to be saved. The good news of Jesus. Friends, clearly, God is saying, here, being religious and doing good works does not forgive your sins. It does not save you. And that is why Cornelius was still told by God, you need to hear the good news of Jesus to be saved. In Ephesians chapter, eight, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, it tells us why our works does not save us. Listen to this. Paul the Apostle says, for, by, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not works that makes you right with God, that gives you eternal life. It's not being religious. It's having a relationship with Jesus and faith in Jesus. So God speaks to Cornelius through an angel 
who says to him, um, send for Peter, who will tell you the good news to be saved. So Cornelius, like a good commander, he obeys the order of not the emperor, but the God of all emperors, and he sends his servants to Peter. At the same time, God speaks to Peter, and he orders Peter to go to Cornelius and share the good news with him. It's amazing how God works behind the scenes. We don't see how God works many times, but he is working in powerful ways and revealing himself in powerful ways to bring us to know him. Let us pick this up in verse 21. Peter went down and said to the men who came from Cornelius, he says, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. Verse 23. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be guests, which is an amazing thing for a Jew to do. You see, he invited them into his house, which means he ate with them. He entertained them as his guests. And for a Jew, that is a no-no. That is something you do not do with non-Jews. Friends, this is revolutionary. Peter must have thought later that night when he was sleeping, what have I done? I'm a Jew. And the law says that I shouldn't do such things. And what did I do? I've invited him into my house. I've ate with them, spoke with them, entertained them. This is groundbreaking stuff. Verse 23 continues, The next day, not only did he do that, Peter started out with them as God told him to do. And he went with some of the other Jewish believers. There were six of them later on we hear. It is interesting that it says here that he started with them and, uh, and some of the believers from Joppa went along with him. So Peter was staying at this place called Joppa. And it's at this very place, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, God gave a message to the prophet Jonah to go to the Gentiles of Nineveh and tell them that he's good news. And Jonah did not want to go. He went to Joppa and took a boat to the opposite way. But not with Peter. Peter went and he obeyed what God told him. Even though Peter must have struggled on the way, on the road, thinking, I'm going to a Gentile's house, and I'm not supposed to. Not only did I receive them, but now I'm going. They came to me, and now I'm going to them. See, because this was a, a big issue for Jews. Because Gentiles, to, to a Jew, were ritually unclean because they did not observe the Jewish dietary laws commanded by Moses. Gentiles as well were seen as second-class citizens. They were seen as dirty. They were seen as sinful. And if I come in contact with them as a Jew, I contaminate myself. But Peter obeys God, regardless of what he thought, and goes to Cornelius, unlike Jonah. Verse 24, the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And it says he had called together his relatives and close friends. And it wasn't just a few people. The Middle East, when you call your relatives, your friends, you've got a huge crowd. 
What a zeal. What love Cornelius has. Not only did he want to be saved, but he wanted his friends and his relatives and his family to hear the good news of Jesus and be saved also. Do we have that heart? How many of your family members and your friends have you shared the good news of Jesus with? Now, you might be afraid of ruining the friendship, but let me tell you, where they will spend eternity is far more important. I pray we will risk our friendship so that they might not perish. In verse 25, as Peter entered the house of Cornelius, he met him, fell at his feet. Cornelius fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I'm only a man. should never worship anyone but the Lord. Verse 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call someone impure or unclean. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Anyone unacceptable to God. No one is unacceptable. No one is beyond God's love. No one I should think less of. Verse 29, So when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. Cornelius then says to Peter, when God told me to send for you, in verse 33, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come, Peter. Now we are here, all here, in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Look at that. Cornelius says, we're all gathered. We're here to listen to you and not just to hear the words that God is going to speak through you, but to obey them, to live them. We're, we're all ears. We're eager. We're hungry. May we have that heart. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God is not a racist. God does not distinguish between Jew and non-Jew. But he accepts, verse 35, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He accepts everyone. What an amazing change for Peter. Here Peter is not saying that Cornelius is um, already right with God and does not need to become a Christian. That's not what he's saying. Because I believe the person who fears God and does what Cornelius does with that heart, God will do so much to bring people to share the good news with them so that they would be saved. But what Peter was saying, that now the Gentiles do not need to feel excluded from God because they are not Jews. 
They are, he says, for God accepts all people. And we can see from the text later on, he accepts all who exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Peter finally got what Jesus commanded him to do before he went up to heaven, when he commanded him and the disciples to go into all, to preach the gospel and make disciples of all the nations. He got that now. He realized that the good news is not just for the Jews. It's for everyone. He says God does not show favoritism. In other words, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, Greek or a Roman, slave or free, man or woman, yellow, black or white, we are all precious in his sight, Peter was saying. And salvation is through Christ. Friends, we too must not show favoritism or prejudice. We must not exclude whom God has not excluded. Peter and the others learned this great lesson that we too must learn and remember constantly that the message of Jesus is for everyone. And we are to share it with everyone. You see, we could easily be prejudiced and play favorites. We are all broken, sinful human beings, whether we like it or not. We are all racist to an extent. And I speak about me and our cultures. They are more racist than, than any other cultures, I sometimes say. And friends, you're not excluded. We need to be aware of our racism that is not from God. We need to be aware of how we exclude people, how we not talk to certain people or care for certain people, not welcome certain people because they don't look like us or they don't, they're not academically like us or they don't look as good as we do. They're not cool as we do. And we do that in the church. May we turn from that like Peter did and say the love of Christ is for everyone. The church is all of us. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write to the Gentiles in Ephesus, the church, and uh, in chapter 2, verse 14, and he would say this amazing thing. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. What a powerful statement. Jesus dying, sacrificing his love for the world. Anyone who believe and follow Jesus joins his family. Jew, non-Jew, yellow, black, red, white, every nation is one. There's no more walls between us and God, no matter who we are. What a saviour we have. Verse 36. He goes on, Peter, to, and he says, Cornelius, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Cornelius, I want you to know that peace comes through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Let me tell you, there is no peace outside of Jesus. Peace does not come through religiosity. It does not come 
through good works. Peace and salvation come through Jesus Christ. Cornelius, it's not your good works. It's not your religiosity. Peace comes by believing in Jesus. And he is Lord of all. What a powerful declaration. In other words, he is God. And God of all, meaning all Jews and Gentiles. Verse 39. Cornelius were witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. You know, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the the third day and caused him to be seen. You know what, Cornelius? They They killed him. But he defeated Rome, and he defeated death, and he defeated the grave, and he rose again. He is Lord. He is God. He is the one who has life and gives life, the God of the resurrection. Verse 41. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Let me assure you, Cornelius, we ate with him, we drank with him. He was physically resurrected. He truly is God. He truly rose from the dead. We believe it with all our hearts. Verse 42. And you know, Cornelius, he commands us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. He commanded us to take his message to others. And he commands you and me to take his message to others. And you know what? He is judge of all. In other words, he is the judge who decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. He is the way into heaven. He is the way into salvation. Jesus is the judge of all. He is God. No one judges but God. And he is the judge. Not Peter, not Paul, not Mary, not anyone. He and he alone is God, the judge who determines where you go. And if you believe in him, that's where you go. Verse 33, Cornelius, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. How awesome is this? All the prophets testify that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins. Friends, when you believe in Jesus with all your heart, when you surrender to him as your Lord and ask for his forgiveness, you receive forgiveness for all your sins. It is through Jesus that we receive forgiveness, not our good works and not our religiosity. You got that, Cornelius? Cornelius got it. So Cornelius, it's not by that. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. These Gentiles. Verse 45, the Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What a sight. 
What an amazing thing that just happened. It's mind-blowing. Here Peter preaches the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. As a result, Cornelius and his household believe that message. Holy Spirit comes into their lives, causes them to praise God, causes them to worship God and speak in other languages. And on top of all that, what happens? Peter was so excited. He must have been over the moon. And in verse 17, in verse 47, he says, Surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. He says, This is an amazing thing. No one can stand in that way. Verse 48, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, anyone who makes a commitment to follow Jesus, Peter would order them to be baptized. He'd order us to be baptized. Because that's the command of our Lord. Wow, what an amazing, amazing event that just took place. Peter did something that had never been done before. He went into the house of Gentiles. Couldn't be done. Preaching the gospel there to them. And they, believing in Jesus, they receiving the Holy Spirit, they speaking with other languages of praise. This is just unbelievable. As a result, they got baptized. Cornelius became one of the first non-Jews to believe in Jesus in the early church with his household. After this unbelievable event, the Jewish Christian leaders in Jerusalem, who were not in favor of going to the Gentiles right now, granted, they said this beautiful thing, in chapter 11, verse 18, it says, God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance for life. Wow, this very important event was radical. What happened was unbelievable. From then on, from this decision, of accepting that Gentiles are on equal footing with the Jews. As a result, the gospel broke loose and it went out like wildfire and it turned the world upside down of Jews and Gentiles. What a, an awesome thing that God did, bringing Jew and non-Jew in faith in Christ. Cornelius found Jesus, got saved. He got answers to his prayers. He heard about Jesus, believed in Jesus, and was saved. And his household was saved. And it changed him forever. Friends, as I finish, let me say this. Number one, whether you are powerful or have everything like Cornelius or not, whether you are religious or an atheist, whether you're a Jew or non-Jew, 
no matter what your race, no matter what your standing, who you are, let me say, all people are in need and their greatest need is to be saved, to be forgiven by Jesus for their sins. And there is no other way but through Jesus. Number two, we must never exclude anyone whom God has not excluded. We must not exclude anyone by not sharing the gospel with them. We must do what Peter did and not hesitate. Go down and go and into the house of Cornelius's of our days, even though we sh- we, they might not be like us or think like us or look like us or, or we're comfortable with them, like Peter was not comfortable. Even if we're not comfortable, let's obey the Lord and let's take the gospel to everyone so that they might not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life life. This is the word of God to us. Amen. Let's pray. Would you please just take a moment if you have not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus. Wouldn't you surrender your life to him today? Stop trusting in your good works even though they might be great or religiosity. Forgiveness is in Jesus. Tell him, Lord, forgive me. I choose to follow you today as my Lord and Savior. And the Lord will hear that prayer. The Lord will touch your life. And the Bible tells us we will be saved. For us who are followers of Jesus, let us ask God for forgiveness and ask him to change us like he changed Peter, to have a heart for everyone to have a heart that loves and cares and goes the extra mile to tell others about him. In Jesus' name, amen.